Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us a delight for your word. We pray that you would help us to hear it and meditate on it and to build our lives on the solid rock of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it look like to be blessed? As I pondered this question this week, I had a little look on Twitter and Instagram. And there you find all sorts of suggestions from people who are saying that they have been hashtag blessed. Although sometimes it seems as if they're actually boasting about their great holiday or their achievements or their their new clothes or whatever it might be. But it's okay so long as you include hashtag blessed. Now maybe... Maybe you haven't heard of Instagram. Maybe you've never been on Twitter. But you'll still have some idea of what it might look like to be blessed. How would you define a life that is blessed? Perhaps it involves a good job. Or maybe even better, not working at all, not having to work. Does it include friends and family, good health, fine food? What does it take to be blessed? Well, far better than us coming up with our own ideas is to discover what God says about what it looks like to be blessed. And that's what our Old Testament reading is all about tonight. In fact, the very first word of the very first psalm is blessed. It's as if the psalms are all about a life of being blessed. And Psalm 1 stands as the gateway, the entrance to this life of blessing. So if you want to know how to be blessed, then you're in the right place tonight. So let's discover together what it looks like to be blessed. And it might be helpful if you turn back in the service sheet so that Psalm 1 is in front of you. So let's read from verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man. Now, ladies, please don't get upset. Don't throw anything. The Bible isn't saying that only men can be blessed. Let's make that very clear that, you know, it's not saying that women don't get a look in. Rather, it means anyone, whoever. Blessed is the one, male or female. So what does the blessed one look like? Well, here's what it says. And perhaps surprisingly, we're told first of all what the blessed one is not like. 
Verse 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So the blessed person doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't walk along listening to the advice of those who are wicked. They don't take their direction from them, their, their, their guidance from them. Neither do they stand in the way of sinners. They don't do the same things that sinners do. They don't stand with them. Neither do they sit in the seat of mockers. They, they haven't made themselves comfortable sitting and mocking other people. Do you see the, the progression here as those three lines sit together? Blessed is the man who does not walk, stand or sit. There's going from the counsel of the wicked to the way of sinners to the seat of mockers. One leads on to the next and not in a good way. It's a bit like the slippery dip uh, that used to be in Newcastle. I wonder do you remember the slippery dip, that big terrifyingly huge slide that you would climb up the steps. They would put you on a doormat it felt like a doormat anyway a bristly doormat and they seemed to have polished it really 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 well every morning because you started at the top and boom, two seconds later you were at the bottom but if you remember the slippery dip sadly it's not there anymore for you to go and have a go on it but if you remember the slippery dip it didn't just go boom, straight down it went down a bit and across a bit, down a bit and across a bit, down a bit and across a bit. So you actually got whiplash probably on the way down. That's a bit like what we see here in this psalm. You start off walking in the counsel of the wicked before you know you're down a bit. And then it levels off, you're in the way of sinners and you go down a bit again. And then you find yourself in the seat of mockers before you realise you're at the bottom. You're, you're in too deep. The counsel of the wicked, the way of sinners, the seat of mockers. These are the things that aren't found in the picture of the blessed life. So what does feature? What does it actually look like then to be blessed? Well, we see the contrast in verse 2. The first word there is but. That means there's a change. Blessed is the man who is not like this, who doesn't do these things. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates. Day and night. Rather than listening to the counsel of the wicked. 
The blessed person listens to the law of the Lord. In fact, if you notice, it's more than just listening to it. It's delighting in God's law. Taking time to think it over, to meditate on it, to chew it over and over, just like a cow chews the cud. And maybe maybe you're thinking to yourself, delighting in the Bible. How could you do that? Isn't the Bible really boring? Isn't it just big long lists of names in different parts? Or maybe, maybe you really do try to delight in it. But it's hard to get excited about it when you're, you're just so busy. Or when in your house you just can't get peace to actually sit down and read it. Or maybe, maybe you don't understand what you're reading. So for a while you, you persevere, you, you, you say, I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm going to read my Bible every day. But after a while, it, it feels more like a duty than a delight. Anyone ever felt like any of that, or is that just me? Well, verse 3 gives us some encouragement. It, it shows us uh, how we can be blessed. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. I have a confession to make. Um, the uh, parish have uh, given us a, a, a great rectory to live in uh, with a huge garden and I am not a gardener. At all. Whenever I was still at school, uh, I decided that I would see if I had green fingers. Uh, And so I decided to buy a couple of little um, cactus plants for my bedroom uh, at our church fair. Because I thought to myself, well, look, it must be easy to care for a cactus. If a cactus can survive in the desert, then it'll be able to survive in my bedroom. But there was one thing that I forgot. The cactus can only survive in the desert because it puts its roots really, really, really far down to find water and to keep it going. Whereas, well, I didn't water them. Because I thought they would be okay. You see, without that life-giving water, the cactus in the desert would die. And mine did too, because I didn't water them. But this tree in verse 3 in Psalm 1, this tree has everything that it needs. It's able to uh, look at it. Uh, It uh, yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. 
Why is that? Why does the tree flourish like that? Because of the water supply that it has. It's planted beside the streams of water. You see, if we want to see at the fruits and the shoots on the top of the tree, then we need to concentrate on the bottom of the tree. We need to supply what is needed in the roots. We also need to be nourished and sustained in our spiritual lives. Without that input, without God's word, we're like my wizened up cactus. You see, the blessed one prospers not because he is rich or successful, but because he is well watered by God's word. Imagine for a moment a tree. Get a a, a picture of a tree in your mind and, and think about that tree for a moment. Now, while you're doing that, In one of our um, psychological tests during selection for theological college before I became a minister, uh, one of the things that we had to do was draw a tree. And seemingly, whatever way you draw the tree or what you include in the picture, it gives you a great insight into what sort of personality you have. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you what your tree is like and analyse you all tonight. Uh, But imagine that tree... Strong, tall, branches and fruit and leaves. Now as you look at your tree, then picture a bit of a wind blowing past it, blowing through the branches. And you've got really good eyesight because you can see some little specks of dust blowing past. And then they're gone with the wind. Sorry. They're gone with the wind. The tree is still standing. But those little specks of dust, they're gone. They're not there anymore. You can't see them anymore. And this is the contrast that we find in Psalm 1. The blessed tree rooted And bringing forth fruit. And the contrast that we see in verse 4. Look at it with me. Not so the wicked. With an exclamation mark to, to make the point. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. That's a a picture of harvest, of threshing. When the grain is thrown up into the air and the chaff, the the useless, strawy, dusty bit is blown away by the wind and the grain, which is heavier, falls down again and is gathered. And that image of harvest, that contrast between the tree and the chaff, leads to the image of judgment in verse 5. Therefore, 
Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Earlier on we saw that the blessed one doesn't walk or stand or sit with sinners. Well now here we see that the wicked don't get to stand in the judgment or in the assembly of the righteous. Someone tells us that there are two categories of people in the world. There are wicked people and there are righteous people. We're all either one or the other. There's no middle ground, there's no sitting on the fence. We're we're either wicked or we're righteous. The question is, which are we? Which are you? And if you think about it for a moment, and if you're really honest with yourself by nature and by choice, we're all in the wicked group. We don't like to think of ourselves that way, but really, truly, honestly, we're in the wicked group. We listen to the counsel of the wicked. We go down that slippery dip of sin and mocking. We don't really delight in God's law. And so we wouldn't be able to stand in the judgment. To stand before God and and try to explain. As we've heard in Psalm 130 tonight. Lord, if you mark our transgressions. Who could stand? And that goes for all of us. For everyone who ever lived. Well, everyone apart from one man. You see, there was one person who did delight in God's law. One person who day and night meditated on it. Who consistently and persistently obeyed. Resisting temptation. One man who prospered in all that he did. Only the Lord Jesus could stand in the judgment. Yet the good news of the gospel. The good news of the cross. Is that Jesus stood condemned in our place. In your place. He took the judgment that we deserved. He was cut down. He was blown away by God's wrath. So that in him. We could be counted righteous. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we acknowledge 
our sin, as we confess our wickedness, as we, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as we place our trust in Jesus, he gives us his righteousness. He makes us righteous. He brings us into the assembly of the righteous, as it says in, in verse 5. We have this hope and assurance of our place in heaven. Because Jesus has died for us. It's when we have gone from being wicked to being righteous that we are truly blessed. And then as Jesus changes us from the inside out, he grows that delight for God's word in us. Suddenly what what seemed strange and and hard to understand before suddenly becomes something that we delight in, something that, that we want to read, something that we enjoy reading, something we can understand. He leads us to listen to his counsel. He produces in us the fruit of the Spirit that we heard of in, in the second reading. That love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They come about because of the water of the word. Psalm 1 shows us that there are two ways to live. There's the way of the righteous, delighting in God's word, prospering like a tree, gathering in the assembly of the righteous. Or there's the way of the wicked. Plenty of fun, plenty of company maybe, but it's a dead end. It only leads to perishing. So which way are you on tonight? <clears throat> which path are you pursuing? Which end are you speeding towards? It's as if tonight we come towards a motorway junction. A fork in the road. And if you are on the wrong track, if you recognize that you have been going down that slippery dip, there's an opportunity to change course, to get back on track, to get off the way of the wicked before it is too late. If you are one of the righteous, not because of yourself, let's not fool ourselves. But if you are one of the righteous because of Jesus, 
then whose counsel are you listening to? Are you really delighting in God's word? Let's ask God to increase our delight in his word as we're nourished and sustained by him as as we dig deep down roots and wait for him to refresh us and, and produce in us that fruit that he wants to do, that he wants to produce in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that life-giving word, We thank you uh, that you uh, can cause that delight in us as we uh, are saved and rescued by the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he lived the perfect life, that he died the perfect death, that he offers us his righteousness as a free gift. So Lord, help us tonight. To follow you in the way of the righteous. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.